Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello there, friends and colleagues. Dr. Casey Grover recording in the evening here in California, and I am so pleased that you came to join me for another episode of the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Now, before we start, thank you to all of you who have left reviews for my podcast on your podcast app. I appreciate the feedback. And thank you to all of you who have shared this podcast with a colleague. We have so much work to do on substance use to improve the care that we provide. So thank you for helping your colleagues to learn more about treating patients with substance use disorders. If you would like to reach me with feedback or a suggestion for an episode, drop me a line at addictionemac at fastmail.com. Okay, enough small talk, time to get down to business. This episode will be on opioids in the home, as in when you prescribe an opioid to a patient, what is the risk to the other people and family members in that patient's home? Now, you might be wondering, where did this topic come from? Well, I listened to several different medical education programs to keep up on the literature, and one of these programs reviewed a paper on this topic. It was a very brief review, but I was really amazed by what the paper demonstrated. So it was time for me to review this topic in a podcast episode. The paper that we're going to be reviewing today is entitled Association of Household Opioid Availability with Opioid Overdose. It was published in JAMA Network Open in 2023, and Michelle Hendricks was the lead author. So let's dig in. Starting with the introduction, the authors remind us that while doctors are prescribing less opioids, death from prescription opioid overdose has not significantly decreased in the United States. Prescription opioids remain a frequent starting point for opioid use disorder, with two-thirds of people with opioid use disorder reporting that their opioid use began with prescription opioids. And furthermore, the authors remind us that the use of prescription opioids doesn't always start with a healthcare provider. More than 50% of people using non-prescribed prescription opioids reported getting prescription opioids from friends or relatives. And this is a particularly easy way for people to get access to prescription opioids, as approximately 50% of opioids prescribed for cancer or surgery go unused, most of which are not secured well in the home or not disposed of properly. So, the authors wanted to look at how access to opioids in the home affected the risk of overdose in other people in the home. And 
as I'm thinking about this, going through just this paper title and the introduction, my question is, if I prescribe an opioid to a patient, how likely is another family member going to overdose on that opioid? So, moving on to the methods section. The authors looked at the Oregon All-Payer All-Claims database, which includes information on all Medicaid patients, patients with Medicare Advantage, and 80% of commercially insured patients in the state of Oregon. They also got information from the Oregon Hospital Discharge Database and looked at Oregon Vital Records Death Certificates. The authors also used the State Prescription Drug Monitoring Program to get information about prescriptions. In terms of the study sample, the authors looked at adults in Oregon between 2015 and 2018. They excluded single member households for obvious reasons. There was no one else in the household that the opioid prescription would affect. They excluded households with more than 10 members to avoid including group homes or facilities such as nursing homes or shelters. They also excluded cases with missing information. And a quick aside, I am bummed that they only looked at adults. It would have been so helpful for them to include information about teens in the home as that is such a high-risk population that is known to use opioids in the home not prescribed to them. Oh well, another study in the future. Back to the article. The authors found 1,691,856 individuals over age 18 in 1,187,140 households that met their inclusion criteria and were included in the study. The methodology of this paper was actually really great. They do a great job of walking the reader through how they determined which pieces of data were important to collect and how they collected it, such as age, demographics, and how many opioids were being prescribed. The paper is free on PubMed if you want to check it out. The authors decided to look at, in terms of outcomes, both non-fatal and fatal overdoses on opioids. They captured non-fatal overdoses based on hospital discharge records and emergency department claims using ICD-9 and ICD-10 codes. And they captured fatal opioid overdoses using ICD-10 cause of death codes. They then ran detailed statistical analyses looking at the association between prescription characteristics and opioid overdose, adjusting for individual demographic characteristics, number of comorbidities, household member count, and the percentage of people in the household with an opioid fill. So, what did they find? Of their 1,691,856 individuals in the study, here is the demographic breakdown. 53.2% were female, 14% were aged 18 to 24, 21% were aged 25 to 34, 19% were aged 35 to 44, 17% were aged 45 to 54, 16% were aged 55 to 64, and the remaining 13% were aged 65 and older. 71% were white, 10% were Latinx, 3% were black, and 4% were Asian or Pacific Islander. 76% lived in metropolitan areas, and 52% had commercial insurance. 
the average number of patients per household was 3.1, and 23% of adults lived with a household member who had at least one prescription for an opioid filled between 2015 and 2018. In total, there were 28,747 opioid overdoses, 491 of which were fatal, with the rest being non-fatal. The authors next present the association between opioid prescriptions and opioid overdoses. And a quick aside, this is where the data gets really interesting. Compared to households in which no one was prescribed an opioid, when another household member, but not the individual, had received an opioid prescription in the past six months, that individual's odds ratio for opioid overdose was 1.6. Compared to households in which no one was prescribed an opioid, when the individual, but not another household member, had received an opioid prescription in the past six months, that individual's odds ratio for opioid overdose was 5.3. Compared to households in which no one was prescribed an opioid, when both the individual and another household member had received an opioid prescription in the past six months, that individual's odds ratio for opioid overdose was 6.25. Let's quickly sum that up. If someone you live with is given an opioid, your risk of opioid overdose goes up. If you are given an opioid, your risk of opioid overdose goes up even more. If you are given an opioid and someone else in the home is given an opioid, your risk of opioid overdose goes up the most. The authors then move on to look at some of the other factors that may have contributed to opioid overdose in their data set. First, the authors ask, did the amount of opioid in the home make a difference? The authors looked at the sum total of opioid in the home by looking at the total morphine milligram equivalent, or MME, dose of opioid in the home. For prescriptions in the household not prescribed to the individual, it didn't make a difference. Regardless of the amount of opioid in the home in terms of MME, the odds ratio of overdose was about the same. There was an increased risk of overdose as compared to when there were not any opioids in the home with an odds ratio between 1.1 and 1.2. However, for prescriptions given to the individual, it did make a difference, as the amount of opioid prescribed to the individual in terms of MME increased, the odds ratio of opioid overdose increased too. For prescriptions with MME up to 90 milligrams, the odds ratio for overdose was 2.05, while for prescriptions with MME over 300 milligrams, the odds ratio for opioid overdose was 3.6. Next, the authors looked at the type of opioid that was in the home and if there were benzodiazepines in the home as well. For prescriptions in the household not prescribed to the individual, long-acting opioids in the home, interestingly, did not increase the risk of opioid overdose. When buprenorphine was in the home, there was an increased risk of overdose with an odds ratio of 1.4. And when benzodiazepines and opioids were in the home, there was an also an increased risk of opioid overdose with an odds ratio of 1.1. And again, these are for prescriptions in the household not prescribed to the individual. Next, the authors looked at prescriptions given to the individual. In this case, long-acting opioids in the home significantly increased the risk of overdose with an odds ratio of 
When buprenorphine was prescribed, this really significantly increased the risk of overdose with an odds ratio of 9.3. And when benzodiazepines and opioids were prescribed, the risk of opioid overdose was increased with an odds ratio of 1.8. And again, this second group of statistics is for prescriptions given to the individual. The authors conclude their data here and pivot to the discussion. They start by reviewing their data and conclude in the beginning of this discussion section that, quote, findings from this study are consistent with a growing literature suggesting that household opioid availability is associated with increased odds of opioid-related adverse effects in household members, end quote. The discussion section isn't particularly long, and the authors finish their discussion section by trying to unpack the unexpected finding that a buprenorphine prescription increased the risk of opioid overdose slightly when there was buprenorphine in the home and significantly when buprenorphine was prescribed to patients. Their hypothesis is that this occurred because buprenorphine is most commonly prescribed to patients with opioid use disorder as compared to full agonist opioids, which are prescribed most often for pain. In other words, pain patients should not have cravings to use opioids or be misusing their opioids by snorting them or injecting them, while patients with opioid use disorder may have these issues. As such, the authors hypothesize it was not a fair comparison. Given the nature of the disease of opioid use disorder, patients with opioid use disorder will have more overdoses than pure pain patients. It would be interesting to see if they compared full agonist opioids in patients with a pure pain diagnosis and buprenorphine for patients with a pure pain diagnosis, or if they compared full agonist opioids in patients with opioid use disorder and buprenorphine for patients with opioid use disorder to see how those comparisons affected the comparative rate of overdose. The authors actually note that they would like to have been able to do this comparison as buprenorphine is well known to decrease the risk of opioid overdose due to its sealing effect. The authors move on to their limitations and they note that they used administrative data not designed for research and that the analysis was retrospective. They are aware that they may not have captured all members in a household and may not have captured all opioids prescribed. They also could not track or account for illicit opioids that may have caused overdose but were still picked up in the death certificate or hospital discharge records. And with that, the authors come to their conclusions. Quote, the results of this large observational cohort study suggest that having recent opioid fills among household members is associated with increased odds of opioid overdose for individuals who live in the same household. These findings underscore the importance of educating patients about the risks of keeping opioids in the household, end quote. And that is actually the end of the paper. Before we move on to take-home points, this is a great reminder for us as healthcare providers that when we prescribe scheduled medications, including opioids, we need to counsel patients on the safe disposal of unused medications. Find out where safe medication disposal sites are in your community and make sure patients know to take unused medications there for safe disposal when they are no longer needed. Okay, this was a bit of a quick episode. What are our take-home points? Number one, 
This was a retrospective cohort study using administrative data between 2015 and 2018 in Oregon to assess how household opioid availability and other household prescription factors affected individuals' odds of fatal or non-fatal opioid overdose. Number two, in this study, when another household member, but not the individual, had received an opioid prescription in the past six months, that individual's odds ratio for opioid overdose was 1.6 compared to when there were no opioids in the home. The authors point out that this represents a 60% increase in the odds of having an opioid overdose when another household member receives a prescription for opioids. Number three, in this study, when the individual, but not another household member, had received an opioid prescription in the past six months, that individual's odds ratio for opioid overdose was 5.3 compared to when there were no opioids in the home. Number four, in this study, when both the individual and another household member had received an opioid prescription within the past six months, that individual's odds ratio for opioid overdose was 6.25 compared to when there were no opioids in the home. Number five, the authors conclude that household availability of opioids is associated with increased odds of opioid overdose for others in the household even if they do not have their own opioid prescription. And number six, the results of this study provide us as healthcare providers with a fantastic opportunity to counsel our patients on the safe disposal of unused medications. Let your patients know that if they are being given an opioid, that having an opioid in the home increases the risk of opioid overdose for everyone in the home and that when medication is no longer needed, it should be promptly disposed of. Provide your patients resources on where they can dispose of their medications safely. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for what you do. And don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.